0: Good morning, Airdrie Baptist Church. It's really a privilege and a joy for us to be with you uh, today. And I want to thank you for just being a, a, a warm and a friendly church. Not, not just the temperature. It's always nice and warm when you come in here, which is great. But you, it's, it's reflective of what's true in, in who you are. You're such a warm church. And thank you for, for welcoming us. It's good to be with you. Uh, we're going to be reading from Ephesians And from Romans, and then we'll look at God's Word together. Uh, So Ephesians chapter 1 is where we'll begin. And then we'll we'll read a few verses from Romans. Ephesians is a letter by a a missionary church planter who used to hate the church and persecute it. His name is Paul. And God did such a a transforming work in his life that he ended up being the author of 13 out of 27 New Testament books. And this is one to a a church like this in in a city... Like Airdrie, the city of Ephesus, and and he's writing um, to describe how God has blessed us. And so, we'll read from Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 14, and then Romans. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. And I'd like if we could turn to Romans, just a few books earlier in your Bible. uh, Another letter from Paul, Romans, and just a few verses from chapter 11. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul gives a comprehensive teaching on our salvation. And this is how he sums it up in the end of Romans 11, verse 33 to 36. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. May we pray. Lord, these are are rich and profound words far beyond my ability to do justice, far beyond our ability to fully take in without the enabling of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask, as you told us to do, we ask for a fresh measure of the Spirit of God for each one of us here today, that we could see and taste something more of the the majesty and the kindness of our God to us in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. so um, just before I come to the message, just a little brief um, update or introduction if we haven't met. Uh, you might have tell, be able to tell from my accent that I come from Calder Crooks, but prior to that actually Canada, and uh, was a pastor there. The Lord called us over here a couple years ago, and I'm a full-time student in Edinburgh at a seminary there, and we've got one more year of that, and we're praying for the Lord to show us what's next. We feel a calling to Scotland, and we would love if you, the Lord brings us to mind, if you would pray that we just know his direction and stay close to him and, and serve where he wants us. That would mean a lot to us. And this summer, as, as the previous summer, we served, I served in local ministry, and we were up in Skye and Kyle of Loch Elf. So greetings from Grace Community Church up there. There are some amazing Christians in Scotland, and, and we're privileged to, to meet a lot of them. And uh, I also want to tell you about, a little bit about our church back in Canada, where we were. And as I begin this message, I want to tell you about a lady that I used to visit, and her name was Margaret Fife. And I, I would go to try to encourage her, but I would end up being the one who got encouraged. She was really old. She, she had this tremor that never stopped. She was tired all the time. She had headaches. And she constantly had uh, mini strokes. She called it a TIA. Um, and she was largely housebound. She couldn't walk far. And yet Margaret had this smile that, that could melt the heart of a, like a, a gang member from Govan. She was just so sweet, and she couldn't help talking about how much she loved the Lord and how much she appreciated what he'd done for her. And it, it, was, it wasn't just, well, in spite of everything that's wrong with my life, God is good. It, it wasn't that. It was, it was, she just started describing how good God is, and it was as if once she got started, I might be late for my next visit because she just couldn't stop. And she was a woman who really challenges me even as I think back because she knew how to bless the Lord for how the Lord had blessed her. Now we're looking at Ephesians by Paul. This is one of the letters he wrote not when he was free and doing missionary journeys. This is one of the letters he wrote when he had been arrested and he was imprisoned. And he wrote it during his first imprisonment in Rome sometime between 59 and 62 A.D. Now, I don't know if I should ask for a show of hands who's been to prison, but if you have, you'll know better than me. I think prison would be pretty depressing, pretty hard. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we've got visitors coming. They were missionaries in China, and they were both imprisoned. Uh, he was in prison for long. He was in prison for uh, more than two years, and it was very hard. And... Uh, It's going to be incredible just to hear from them directly a bit about it. I think it would be very depressing. Um, And I think of our friends, the Garretts, how God sustained them through it and gave them courage and strength through it. And in a way, I mean, this is what we see in Paul. You open Ephesians, and it's astounding. He doesn't begin by saying, Guys, it really sucks to be in prison. He he begins by praising God. And blessed be God, or praise be to God. And now, Blessed be God, or, or many translations, praise be to God. This is a classic formula for a Jewish prayer found throughout the Old Testament. Jews would pray prayers like this daily. It's as if once he starts, though, he, he can't stop. He's like Margaret. At, commentators will say that from verse 3 to verse 14, in, in Greek, is actually one uninterrupted sentence. There's no period because he just keeps on going. It's like wave after wave of, of praise for wave after wave of, of blessing that God has given. Now, if this works out for me, there we go. See verse 3. We'll spend a bit of time here and then we're, we're going to look at verses right through to verse 5 to this morning. And if you're, if you're back tonight, we're going to finish this section. And I think over the next couple of evenings, we'll be looking through Ephesians 1. But see verse 3 where it says praise. Literally the word there is, is blessed. Praise be to God. Blessed be God. And he's saying literally blessed be God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. There's this refrain of this word blessing. And it puts a question to me and to you. Does the blessing on my life or does the blessing on my lips Reflect the blessing on my life. Does the blessing on your lips, the praise to God on your lips, reflect the praiseworthy ways God has worked in your life? And there are, are often obstacles to us stepping into that kind of praise. And sometimes the obstacle is, is sorrow we're carrying. It may be disappointment. It may be confusion. And what is what are you doing, God? And sometimes church is a place where we, we show up and we all... I don't know about here in Canada. We can all put on a big smile because I'm in church. But on the inside, I'm, I'm aching. I'm crying out. And now it's good to smile. It's good to choose joy. But it's also good to know God doesn't encourage emotional dishonesty. That's why, don't you love the book of Psalms? Because there it gives you and me permission to express every emotion known to humanity. And I wonder if for you today maybe that's where you are and could god give you the grace today and maybe just to take a small step but to take that honest experience of pain and to say god in the midst of this i know you're blessing me in christ so i will bless you and maybe you don't feel it maybe you don't see it but it's faith and you say it and you do that because you know he's good so pain can be an obstacle and and God carries us through that. God doesn't point a finger at us. He doesn't, he's not hard on us. He carries us when we're in that. But ask if he'd give you the grace just to begin to bless him there. What's another obstacle? Sometimes the obstacle is completely different. It can be that we're just happy enough with everything else in our life, with our job, with our, our house, maybe our family, our activities that we love doing, friends, and all these, you know, the, the toys that we have, These things are all, they're good. They are blessings. But they're temporary. The visible is temporary. And it's changeable. I want to share with you a quote from C.S. Lewis. You might have heard his name. He's best known for some children's books, right? Narnia. And also, um, he was one of the top Christian thinkers of the 20th century. And here's what he says in a sermon called The Weight of Glory. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Are you far too easily pleased? Do the, do the good things in your life on a physical level drown out the far greater blessings that God has given you on a spiritual level where you can say, thank you for my, my stuff and thank you for the, the, the good things and the people in my life. I'm so grateful, but I know I'm even more blessed. Do they drown that out? What if you and I really understood the depth of what God has done for us? In Christ. What would that do to our worship? So today let's think about what does it mean that we're blessed. And then four of the blessings we'll look at in in these these few first verses. The blessing that God is in control. And the blessing that God has chosen you. The blessing that God has, has made you holy. And the blessing that God has adopted you he's in control, he's chosen you, that he's made you holy, and he's adopted you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. When it says God has blessed us, it's summarizing the next 13 verses, in fact, the next three chapters. It takes him that long to try to unpack all that God has done for us. Now, these blessings here, look at the language he uses. First, I want to point out that they're spiritual. Now, That means they're not less than earthly blessings. Houses, cars, appliances, whatever. But they're more than those. The earthly wears out. The spiritual is permanent. These are the blessings of our salvation. That we, though unworthy, though incapable, we've been given right standing with God and the delight of the Father by His grace. Blessings. And they're heavenly. And they're spiritual. In context, it means that they're from the Holy Spirit it connects to the teaching on the Holy Spirit, verses 13 and 14. And what does that mean for you? Some of us are aware, but some of us are not aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But if you're a believer, do you know he's actively applying the blessings of God to your life? And he wants to open your eyes to that. And these blessings are heavenly, they're, they're spiritual, and they're in Christ. This is this is like a geographic description. I don't know where your house is, what street you live on, but it's, it's as if you've moved house when you came to faith in Christ. And you've been relocated. You don't just live in Airdrie or Plains. You live in Christ. Separate from Christ, you didn't have any claim on the blessing of God. But in Christ, you haven't just received one or two blessings. You've received every spiritual blessing in they they're heavenly. This isn't like pictures we'd see from the Hubble telescope. It's not a part of the universe, but it's, it's a location where the risen Lord has ascended, where He resides. And we've been raised with Him. And this is a place of greatest reality, greatest security, where we're blessed. So Airdrie Baptist Church, if you remember one thing today, remember that God says you are blessed. You are blessed in Christ. And it's interesting, and I think it's important to notice what what it says about that. It says, the Father has blessed us, they're in Christ, and they're spiritual. Uh, You could translate blessings of the Spirit. There's the Trinity through these blessings. We see the Trinity again, verses 4 to 14. First, the Father chosen plans your salvation, the Son redeems you, and then the Spirit marks you as belonging to God. And I think part of the significance of this is knowing how personal each member of the Trinity is to you and to your life. That the Father um, actually chose you. That the Son actually died for you personally. And inside of each one of us and us together is the Holy Spirit. And I think that's why, do you notice at the end of each of those sections, what does Paul say each time? The same words, basically. To the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. And I think... There's Paul in prison, thinking about how you and and him and we've been blessed in Christ. And it's something that turns into praise. As we reflect on what he's done, it brings us in contact with the joy of our salvation. What are these blessings? First, the blessing of knowing that God is in control. God is in control. It's not just fate, it's not just random. God has a plan. Now, from our perspective, what do we see? We turn on the news. You see freak weather, hurricanes. You see earthquakes. We we look in, in our own homes. We see dysfunction. We see pain. We see the evil throughout this last century, the Holocaust, Chairman Mao in China, this year, terrorism. And we see the evil lurking in our own hearts, and, and we say, well, what's God's perspective? Where is God with all this craziness? Wouldn't it be troubling if God was up in heaven looking down on us and he's, he's going, oh no, what am I going to do? What have I done? With, what's this world I've created? And he's panicking, well, that's, that's not God. Have you ever been on an airplane and you hit turbulence? and you feel like you're going to die. And you just want to know, as that plane is lurching up and down, you just want to know the captain is still in control, right? Because if he is, we should be okay. Look at the language of Ephesians. God is reassuring you that he's, he's strong, he's good, he's reliable, and he's still in control. The language of God's sovereignty is throughout here. Verse 4, that he chose. Verse 5, he predestined according to his pleasure and will. Verse 9 to 10, his, working his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed to be put into effect. Verse 11, chosen, predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And verse 9 to 10 says everything in heaven and earth is going to be set right in Christ. You know what, just in these six verses, or in these, whatever, it's kind of ten verses, there are, there are six verbs where God is the agent planning and executing His will, where God is clearly Lord over the universe and in control. I don't know what's happening on the airplane of your life right now, but can I assure you, God's Word says the captain Has got it. He's in control. Can you begin to praise Him for that today? And trust Him. God's in control. Within with that theme of God being in control, it it specifically focuses on a blessing in verse 4 that He chose us. The blessing of being chosen. And verse 11 says, in Christ we were chosen by the Father. Verse 5 and 11 use the word predestined. Now, some people hear those words and jump back. It pushes some button and you become anxious. Whether you've been saved and am I among the elect? Sometimes in the the highlands of Scotland, especially, this this becomes an issue. But Christians sometimes have read this and and been confused. What is this about? Well, when Paul is telling believers God chose them, Paul believes they're going to want to respond by praising God. This is not put here to disturb faith, but to to encourage faith. And it's God's heart that you would rejoice that he chose you. And I want to think about this idea for a minute, because if we can brush aside some of the confusion that comes. Now, as humans, we like to resolve things, but there's mystery here. So, for example, mathematics, okay? Some of you are good at math, so let me test you here. If I say 2 plus 2, you're not going to leave it at that in your mind, right? You go, four. And we like to have our truth statements fit neatly together. Have you noticed in the Bible the truth statements sometimes sit in tension? So if I say one plus one equals one, you say, no, it doesn't. But we look at the Bible and it says in marriage, the two, one plus one, become one. So the Bible's math is different than ours. And we get that with the doctrine of the Trinity. We have Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, three persons, one plus one equals one one plus, one plus one equals one. And it's that kind of mystery and tension with the doctrine of election. On the one hand, there's the unconditional offer of salvation. If you are not saved today, God calls you to trust in Jesus and to repent of your sin, and he will save you when you do. And the offer is for you. And you need to respond. Please do. And if, if, if um, uh, on the other hand, as we come to faith as believers, this says, you were chosen. It says, verse 4, before the creation of the world. So God chose you. And you get these truths which are intention. Like one plus one, we, we sort of get it, but we, we don't. That's why we read Romans 11, that the riches of, of the mystery of God's wisdom and knowledge, they're unsearchable. And we have to try to live with this tension instead of solving it. Uh, our, our principal at Faith Mission Bible College years ago, he said, salvation is like a, an entryway. And over the, the front you see the words, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you hear that and you go through. You have to respond and you respond. And you look back, and over the back it says, chosen before the foundation of the world. And there's the mystery. This promise is for you. And if you have responded, celebrate that God has chosen you. He wanted you. He planned salvation for you. The blessing of God's choosing you. And there's two reasons why he did. The blessing of being made holy and blameless. Being a saint. Now, what does it mean to be a saint? I, I, I remember somebody asking a little girl, what, what is a saint? And she, she said, oh, those are the, the people that the light shines through the, on the stained glass windows. the Saints. And I think that's a great picture of what a saint is. Um, what God's doing is light shines through. But, but what does it mean, though, when it says that we are holy? Or some Bibles say saint. Uh, saint means holy one. That's the underlying idea. And it says that we've been chosen, do you see that, in verse um, 4, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, sometimes you might read that and you think, oh great. I've got to be holy and blameless? Help! How is this going to happen? There's only one way you or I could be holy and blameless. Do you know what that is? That is, if the holiness and the blamelessness of somebody who's already got it could be credited to your account. It's like when you were in school, if you did chemistry, did anybody do chemistry? Like I did, chemistry can be either hard or easy, depending if we get it, right? And you're writing that exam, And you know that absolutely, on this exam, you are going to fail. Without a doubt, next to you is the class genius. And you know absolutely, without a doubt, they are going to get 100% or higher. And before the test ends, the genius turns to you and says, Listen, I know this isn't your strong suit. I'm going to give you my exam. You give me yours. And we'll hand those in. That is what Christ has done for you. And it it points to this using the same language later in Ephesians. If you have your Bible, turn to chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. The context is marriage, but the illustration, the theology underlying it is the gospel in verse, Ephesians 5.25, look for the language of blamelessness and holiness here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And to be clear, that this is him actively making us holy. We are being acted upon and he makes us holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. Do you know how we stand before God holy and blameless? What did it say in verse 25? He loved you and he gave himself for you. He gave his perfect record. He spilled out his blood for you to make you holy and blameless. He wrote the exam of your life. He passed it with flying colors and He gave you His mark. And every day and every hour, I mean, you know that you fall short, don't you? If you're aware. (laughs) But God looks on you in Christ with Christ's record because that is what He chose to do for you. That is what Christ paid for. And when we get that, when I get that, it just changes our perspective so much. Over and over it says that we are saints, we are holy ones in Ephesians because positionally God has made us holy before Him. He's smiling on you right now because you wear the holiness and the righteousness of Christ. And he's welcomed you into his presence because Christ has made you holy and blameless. I think this is something to praise God for. Now, you, you might say, okay, yeah, so positionally we're holy, but don't we, aren't we supposed to live holy too? And I think what we need to learn as Christians is that that always follows understanding our position, understanding that we are holy, beloved, adopted, chosen, welcome. And out of that comes our actions. And in Ephesians, that's, that's the order. It's always God has done this. Here's the news. And because of that, you can live a new life. You see that pattern, Ephesians 2, the first and second half of that chapter, Ephesians 4. There's this pattern if you want to go and read it. Because you've been changed, now you can live this way. He chose you for the blessing of holiness. God's in control, God's chosen you, God's blessed you with holiness, and God's blessed you with adoption. Have I lost my spot? There it is. Adoption, or here it says the blessing of sonship, which in, in the, the original culture was the word that would be used for adoption, but in the church this applies to men and women, sonship, adoption. Now, may, maybe you know about adoption. Maybe you've adopted, maybe you've been adopted. When, when we were ministering in, in Comox in Canada, uh, some people moved to the valley and they had just adopted a little girl. And she's so, so sweet. And it was, it was, it was kind of neat because he, he was white and she was very dark. She's from, I think, Papua New Guinea, but she kind of looked African. And they, they got a little girl who was kind of in between, uh, just by God's, God's plan for them. And this sweet, sweet girl. But she would have, before she had no mommy and daddy, and now she has someone to call mommy and daddy. Before she had, you know, she would have expected a life of poverty. But now she she has a home and, and her parents provide and everything that is theirs is hers. She was an orphan. And now she has a secure relationship that will never be altered. And that's what God did. He adopted you and me. He adopted us. Now in the Greek culture, Paul's writing in in which the Ephesians lived, if if, um, adoption was often adult to adult, so a man of status might adopt an underprivileged uh, man, and overnight his legal status would change. And his past was canceled, his debts were wiped out. And he'd get all the same rights and privileges of a son. In the Jewish story, only Israel was adopted initially, but in the gospel, every one of us, all of us Gentiles, get to join the family through adoption. And it's in Christ that we're adopted. Adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It's in Christ. Because we're joined and fused to Him. And for some of us, maybe you faced rejection. Maybe you were part of a home where you didn't feel loved or, or maybe you've experienced loneliness or feeling unwanted. And God wanted you in His family to bring you into the fellowship of the Trinity. And We can pray with Jesus, Abba Father. And it says in John 24 that He loves you with the love He has for His Son. Adoption. And we're going to be like Him one day. We've been adopted into the family. And so He'll never turn you away as His child, He always will welcome you. What does all of this mean? All these blessings. This world is pretty crazy. But praise God, he is in control. And if you're not a Christian, God invites you to be his child. His son died so you could. You simply make that choice. And you are part of this blessing. And for every believer, remember, he he calls you a holy person. He calls you a saint because Christ gave himself to make you holy. So you could wear the holiness of Christ. His exam has been applied to you. And God wanted you to be able to call Him Father and to know intimacy with Him. And this week, will you you go to Him, not as a distant person, but as a a Father who who welcomes you, even to to sit on His lap? And for all of us, what would it look like if whatever our trials and, and whatever our distractions, if we could learn to be a people who bless the Lord for the ways he blessed us. Could we pray that he would make these truths more real to every one of our hearts? So that, that, that kind of praise will flow from our lips. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we belong to you and that you did it all. Thank you for the blood of your son, which was enough to transform sinners into saints to make those who could never be holy and blameless into those who are holy and blameless before you thank you that where we were slaves to fear we have been made into sons and daughters of god who cry abba father and lord you know the way sometimes our hearts resist these these great truths we we think it seems too good And Lord, today we pray that you would undo those barriers, whether in our minds or our past or or maybe it's just distractions in our lives that keep us from recognizing how great your blessings are. We pray that you would open our eyes to see what an incredible God we have, a God who blesses and how privileged we are, and that our light would shine in whatever our circumstance because we serve a God who has blessed us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.